Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Content creation is sometimes seen as the fun part of marketing for businesses and leaders. That said, it takes a degree of vision, commitment and even some failure to get traction with your target market. My guest today knows how to make content that's both content-rich and money-making. Letitia Stiles is a marketing expert, mentor to high achievers, and founder and CEO of You've Got Clients. She's an online marketing certified professional and a Site K facilitator who helps entrepreneurs shift subconscious blocks to establish the beliefs that form the foundation of their dream, as well as shift any limiting beliefs or subconscious blocks standing in the way of that dream. She's an avid content creator who produces content-rich videos about marketing strategy, online business ideas, personal development, manifestation, other thought-provoking short speeches. Leaning on her expertise, she's helped hundreds of people and coached them in their business to create multi-six-figure businesses and consulted and partnered as a content producer, ambassador, and expert for high-profile companies including Progressive Insurance, the National Association of Realtors, Visa Homes and PNC Bank. She's also been featured in a raft of media such as Business Insider, Credit Suisse, Part-Time Money and more. So welcome to the politics of everything, Letitia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content, and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech-savvy. There's nothing to download, they just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy, and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. So I just love your name, first of all. We've already just had a chat about that. <laughs> Obviously, you, you mentioned um, it's, it's your name once you've got, gotten married, but it's a perfect marketing name. And I'm just wondering, as a, as a kid, did you really think that you'd end up in marketing or did you, did you have other dreams? And I guess what I'm trying to tap into is were there any signs that you ended up where you were because of your aptitude or interests as a kid? Yeah. Interestingly enough, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a teacher. And uh, this was, I think, in around seventh grade. So I was about, you know, nine years old or or somewhere around that. Uh, And I was asked, you know, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always admired my teachers. So my answer was, well, I want to be a teacher. And as I got older, I 
definitely didn't see myself in marketing. I ended up getting a Spanish degree and then I went back to school and got a finance degree and I essentially fell into marketing and really found found my love and I love I love what I do. It's great. So you say that uh, content creation is your sweet spot. What do you think makes great content in 2022? I'm sure that's a very broad question, but some examples would be awesome. And I guess how's that changed over the past few years, maybe from an expectation of what your clients want, but also as audiences, what we like to consume? Yeah, I think the foundation has not changed in the past, you know, 100, 200 years. It's really all about storytelling, being able to tell a compelling story and then bringing that through whatever platform you might be using. I like to think back to, you know, some of the people who were selling uh, from buggies and carts in the streets and trying to get people to buy concoctions and things, you know, back back in the day when, you know, no one really understood that you couldn't just rub a bomb on your arm and and then suddenly like, you know, heal yourself. Uh, you know, that whole process of learning how to tell a good story, that that's still the same process that we use now to sell and to market ourselves. Now, I would say the, you know, the difference and the nuance these days with social media is that now we're really creating in the side of the framework of the platform. And we just need to pay attention to what is trending and what's working well today. And today what's working well is video. And so we really have to be able to tell a story and tell a concise story really in in almost 30 seconds right now is really kind of like the the attention span and the sweet spot. And we're seeing that with YouTube shorts, with Instagram reels, with TikTok videos, they're all around that 30 second under one minute mark. And we really have to be able to tell a compelling story in that short timeframe. Absolutely. I I must admit, because I work in public relations and that sort of communication strategy for for clients in the corporate space, they really struggle with that short format. I think they think, well, what I do is so complex and so big and so, you know, deep in some ways that it trivializes the content. But I always try and explain to them that that's kind of what the audience wants. At the end of the day, you need to, you know, create content which is watchable and shareable and people don't have have short attention spans, I think shorter than even maybe five or 10 years ago. Would you agree with that? Yes, 100%. And I would agree with you. I I tell my clients a very similar thing, which is when you are creating your brand story, you want to be able to summarize it within about three sentences. And even if you can truncate it down to one sentence, even better, then you can expand it out. So for example, I always share, I graduated into the Great Recession and I, I couldn't find a job. So I decided to create my own job. And that story, that's essentially a one sentence that really tells the heart of who I am and, and how motivated I am and how you know, how I I had grit and determination, even though it's just one simple sentence. And I think that's the most important thing is understanding how to condense your story down to one sentence and really deliver a salient point. So what's your favorite way to distribute content? Is there a particular social media platform or format in real life that you think really speaks to the world in a way which you find is is universal and that people have, you know, a great resonance with. And we talk about sort of, I guess, platforms like TikTok and so forth. In some ways, they might be of the moment and in five years' time, we might be talking about something else. But is there sort of one that's sort of tried and true for you? A video, honestly, I've been on YouTube for the last 
a couple of years. And so video is my favorite. I love YouTube. I love being able to show up to perform. And I find that if you create a video, you can repurpose that into many different formats. You can start with video, you can strip out the audio. So now you have a potential you know, podcast audio or something you can share via other mediums. And you can also have that same video transcribed and turned into a blog post. So it, it really lends itself to a more simplified and streamlined process. And I think it also helps you connect with the people who are viewing because they're able to see you. They can see your mannerisms. Like right now I'm moving my hands around and someone (laughs) who's able to see me, you know, they're uh, much more able to relate to me because they're thinking, oh, that's exactly what I would be doing. And so it makes it that much easier to make that connection. So I think one of the challenges I have with clients who maybe are not as, you know, au fait with with video or feel nervous about their performance is the degree in which it needs to be really professional. So obviously you create content with a strategy and you obviously have a sense of the production values that make a video look fantastic. But I have so many clients who are not comfortable unless the lighting's great, they've got their makeup Mm -hmm. done, all those pieces. What are the non-negotiables to make great video beyond, you know, I guess those sorts of things I've just touched on? What are some of the things you think the audience won't tolerate if it's not great? The content really needs to be punchy. And even if your lighting is not great or your audio is not great, it's really more so about showing up with a uh, with a vibrant character and giving it kind of like that 120% energy because some video will kind of drain a little bit of it out. So you definitely want to um, sort of overact just a little bit and, you know, really project. And with that, what I'll say is like these days, yes, we are looking for a little bit more professional quality content. But what I'll say is that if you don't take the time to actually just practice and get out there and do it when the when the professional camera is on and you're you know in those bright lights you're going to have a harder time actually presenting what you want to present and saying it in a way where, you know, people are ready to receive that message. And so, you know, it might fall flat. So it's important to just get out there, start creating content, and then you can fine tune as you go. Great. That's great advice. I think that most people can take on board. So creating content can be quite time consuming and expensive, particularly if you're doing this long-term as part of your marketing strategy. What rules do you set for yourself and your clients before they even create that video or share an idea online that actually lands and creates noise for all the right reasons? What's some of the process that you go through? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the one thing that I also do tell my client is clients are the rule is that there are no rules. And that generally helps them to let go of some of that, that stress and anxiety. But as far as creating videos, what I want them to do first is I tell them to think of the person on the other side. Imagine just one person. When I first started creating videos, I was thinking of my sister sitting down and watching the video. So as I was creating the video, I'm thinking of her, which made it a lot easier for me to be relatable and conversational instead of stiff and thinking, oh, there's a lot, I'm in a room full of people who are all watching me and they're all judging me. So that's generally the, one of the first things I suggest. And then secondly, I would suggest to determine whether you need a structure like a teleprompter and a script or whether you're a bullet point type of person. Some people have a difficult time speaking succinctly and therefore they need a script. They need to be able to follow along. And other people, if they have a script, 
they'll feel too stiff and therefore they just need bullet points and they're able to speak in clear sentences that have an end. You mentioned that you were in PR, so I'm sure you understand about some of the media training that's required to make sure that there is an end to your sentence and it doesn't continually run on. Yeah, and I think the challenge is, I mean, I find a lot of leaders that I might work with, they're fantastic and they're eminent and they're articulate, but then you put the camera in front of them and all of that tends to be overtaken with the self-talk and the mindset stuff. So one of the things you specialize in is overcoming self-limiting beliefs that block that creative content for some people. How do you help people actually overcome maybe that side of it before they even get to the point where they can produce a video? Yeah, that's a great question. This is one of my favorite things to work on with clients. The first thing that we do is I try to help them loosen up, right? Get the jitters out. We might uh, laugh a little bit and just, you know, think of some things that that cause them to be a little bit lighthearted. And once we do that, as they start recording, I'm going to, you know, start talking to them about, okay, what's what's going through your mind right now? Because obviously I can't hear the internal talk that's going on. So I need to know what they're thinking so that it's easier for me to give them a plan of attack. Once I know exactly what's going on, some of the thoughts that they might be having, that's when I'll share some sort of story or a metaphor or something to help them sort of reposition that fear so that it's not necessarily gone. It might still be there, but it's something that they're now able to walk around instead of carry with them as they're recording their videos. So we really want to make sure we're clear on like, what's that internal talk and uh, provide some, some tactics and strategies to help them to walk around that fear so that they can continue to move forward and record their, their video content. And does that process usually take some time? I mean, when you're working with clients, is it something you would do the day before they were doing a video or would this be kind of part of a program that you would put together in parallel with some of that content creation that you're trying to get from them so that you get some authentic voice in there and obviously they're they're happy with the, the outcome of that experience as well once they've produced the video or the other content? Yeah, typically we do this during uh, a retreat that I host. It's called the Royal Retreat. And during that retreat, we're doing a lot regarding subconscious blocks. And at the same time, we are, we're doing activities that help to elevate their vibe, raise their vibration and and help them truly step into and assume the throne in their business where they're coming in more confident. And so with that prefacing us recording the video content, it's that much easier to sit down in front of the camera, start recording and, you know, record plenty of, you know, short form videos, whether it's reels or TikToks or whatever it is, videos for YouTube and and get all of that out after they've had this time to really loosen up and get into a good, uh, confident vibe. So there's obviously people create content for for a whole bunch of reasons. A lot of people, it's about driving sales into their business. However, I've seen many times where businesses have great content and then I might be working with them behind the scenes on a PR strategy or a communication piece and they'll tell me, actually haven't got any sales, despite the fact they might have a lot of views and a lot of followers. How do you link those two together? Are they things that you, you practice in your business to help people with that process of conversion, if you like? Yeah, this is where there's definitely a fine line in the type of content that you're creating. So there's value-based content and then there's conversion-based content. And value-based content would be your, you know, three steps to XYZ, five ways to, you know, do whatever you're 
your expertise is, right? To explain that type of content. Then your conversion-based content is more going to be around breaking down beliefs so that the person is ready to take the next step and take action. And so that type of content might be something like why your book didn't sell or why you're struggling with XYZ. And that type of content is, once again, it's designed to break those beliefs so that the person is, is ready to take the next step. The problem that comes in is when the creator doesn't understand the type of content that they're creating. And so they attempt to provide that value-based content and then do a call to action at the end, which is fine, but then they don't necessarily see the conversion. And their thought is, well, I'm creating valuable content and you are, but you're also not necessarily helping that person to have an aha moment so they understand what their next step is. And so it's important in marketing that we understand that we have to create both types of content and we mix and match them together, similar to how uh, Gary Vaynerchuk shared jab, 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 right hook. Your value-based content is your jab, 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 and your conversion-based content is your right hook. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that analogy. It really brings it brings it to life, I think, as well for people. So what's some of the most challenging content creation process that you've been through or a client experience? Obviously, I'm not expecting you to name and shame that client, but did yeah. you have <laughs> ever have a, a client where it just it became very difficult, but you, you actually learnt something in your own business practice from that experience? And how, what did that really teach you? Because I know in my business, it doesn't always go well with clients. You know, for every success story, there might be, you know, a couple of clients who maybe haven't really understood what the brief is that they've given me or they haven't really understood what PR could do for their business and what it can't do. So you must have had similar experiences. And is there something that sort of stands out for you to share with the audience today? Yeah, absolutely. The biggest area and the biggest block is around the brand story. So there's a client in particular that I'm thinking of who really struggled with trying to put together a brand story. And as I mentioned before, I asked that they summarize it and get it down to where it could be summed up into one sentence or, or three sentences. And, you know, she had the hardest time with it, but she never said anything about it. She didn't reach out. She didn't say anything until I reached out and I said, Hey, what's going on? Where's your brand story? It's time for us to, you know, to review this and look it over. And she said, I'm just really struggling with it. And I need to, you know, hop on the phone in order in order to get some help. So I said, okay, great, let's schedule a call. And during the call, what I realized is that, and she's not the only one who's uh, gotten stuck on the brand story. During the call, I realized that there's such a belief that I need to include my entire life story. And then when it's time to truncate it down to a brand story, it's like, well, I don't know if I should share this because it's personal or, or, or should I share that? Like what, basically what do I share? And so when it comes to content creation, I find that that's often a, a big stopping point where people just really don't know what to share. And so what I suggest that they do is, you know, think about the person on the other end of the device, right? The person who's scrolling on their phone or watching you via YouTube, what message did they need to hear? And if it, if it so happens that, you know, you're, talking about your divorce because that's a part of your brand story and it's why you're passionate about what you do today, then sure, share it. But if it's not a part of your brand story and it's not necessarily going to help them along their journey, then there's no need to share it. And I, I find that that's where people get stuck is understanding what should I share? How much should I share? Because most people think they need to share their life story and, and it's not necessary for you to do that. So your most important career mentor in your particular journey and why? Ooh, this is a great question. <laughs> I would say I, the very first job that I had, 
I had a mentor who uh, really helped me understand sort of the politics of it all, which I think it's great because the podcast is called The Politics of Content Creation. <laughs> but, you know, there is there is a, a dance. I would say politics is like a dance. There's a give and there's a take. And this mentor in particular, his name was Adam, he really helped me to understand how to how to how to perform that dance how to give when it was time to give and then how to be ready and confident and prepared to take when it was time to take and that was a really really important time in my life because I was young it was my first job out of college and I really didn't quite understand that whole process and how to uh, how to maneuver inside of the corporate world and so that really was uh, helpful for me if we spoke again in a year's time, Letitia, what would be the number one goal you would have hoped to have achieved and why? Bit of a crystal ball here. Yes, I would say USA Today bestseller. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, New York Times bestseller. I, I have a, a a really big book in me and I'm in the process of of writing it right now. And that's what that's what I see for myself within a year. I really would like to have a larger platform. I'd like to be able to reach even more people, not just on the topic of marketing, but on what really matters, which is, you know, being able to master your mindset and being that business owner or individual who can achieve whatever you'd like to achieve because you've got the strong mindset in order to do it. So that's my that's my one year, 12 months from now. We'll have to catch up then and, and see how it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, we'll circle back and find out how that's going and maybe chat a bit more about the book. Um, yeah. We've had a great conversation today and obviously there's so much that you could share in the time we've had together but really what would be your final takeaway message for everyone listening on the politics of content creation as we wrap up today yeah sure I would say uh, don't overthink the content that you want to create think about once again what the person on the other end of the device needs to hear from you right now. For example, the conversation that we've had today didn't necessarily touch on every single part of my expertise or my history, or you know, we, we didn't have to go into everything, but there was a specific message that I knew I wanted to share, and that was about, you know, don't overthink it. And so as you're going through and creating your content, remember that it's okay to just share that one message, whatever message you have for that day in that piece of content. And there's always more content that you can create at a later date. Well, fantastic to chat to you today. And if you do want to contact Letitia Styles, there will be some details on our show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.